Hello everyone, Max and I would like to present you the podcast which is dedicated to an issue of homelessness in the Soviet and post-Soviet Russia and has a provocative name, there were no homeless people in the Soviet Russia. The podcast has two parts, the first one is about homelessness in the Soviet Russia following World War II until the dissolution of the USSR. And the second part is about uh, Uh, the issue of homeless people in Russia after the dissolution of the Union. I will speak about the, the Soviet times and Max will present you the post-Soviet view. So folks, let's start our first part of the podcast. According to a number of Russian and Soviet sources, uh, but first of all uh, to Sinelchikova article, of course there were homeless people in Soviet Russia. But the authorities strenuously concealed their existence and fought in every possible way against this social phenomenon. In the very first years after the revolution, it was really believed that all the poor and homeless people would eventually disappear as a relic of the old Tsarist regime, as soon as the Soviets built a welfare state. Initially, statistics were even kept on them. The 1926 census recorded 133,000 people engaged in begging. Those who begged tended to be homeless. But in the end, it was not possible for authorities to solve the problem with good methods. Therefore, uh, they decided to act differently. Firstly, they began to call this phenomenon differently, and secondly, they began to widely apply repressions on this category of citizens. At the 8th All-Union Congress of Soviets, Joseph Stalin proclaimed, there are no more reasons for poverty and unemployment in this country. Since then, Soviet militia, which is police, began to catch and evict beggars and vagrants outside of large cities. The police acted in this way, supposed to act in this way. They took the beggar from the street and had to find out whether he or she had relatives or not, whether he or she lived in Moscow or not. If relatives were not found, but the person was able-bodied, he or she was transferred by force to the social security authorities, which were supposed to deal with his her employment. The disabled people supposed to be transferred to a home for the disabled. This was the scheme of actions on paper. In reality, it didn't work at all. There were huge issues with employment and the disabled homes were constantly lacking. Instead of them, the homeless were often placed into mental hospitals. It was not a problem to come up with a diagnosis, but it was extremely difficult to get out of that place. Moreover, all these people had to be kept somewhere until the circumstances were clarified. In 1946, Soviet Russia's authorities created distribution centers, which with terrible, unsanitary and inhuman conditions. In 1951, a decree was issued, no measures or measures to combat antisocial parasitic elements according to which the homeless people should be sent to special uh, settlements in remote areas of the Soviet Union for five years. In other words, it was an exile. But after 10 years, it got even worse. The Soviets began to prosecute people for parasitism, uh, lack of official work, 
a lack of a roof over your head, you could go to jail at any time for up to two years. In this Soviet Russia since 1960, the criminal code has been in effect, which included Article 209, which stated, Systematic engagement in vagrancy or beckoning shall be punished by imprisonment for a term of up to two years or correctional labor for a term of six years of six months to one year. The situation worsened. Uh, okay, we will skip this part. A particularly uh, revealing and cynical example of the attitude of the Soviet Russia authorities towards the poor, homeless, and disabled can be shown in the history of the Valar Monastery. The Valar Monastery, located on the island of the Ladoga Lake not far from the border with Finland. Here, so as not to spoil the urban landscape, people with disabilities were exiled, the most diverse from legless and armless to oligophrenic and tuberculosis patients. It was believed that disabled people spoiled the view of Soviet cities. Palam was one but the most famous of dozens of places of exile for World War II invalids. Not all, without exception, armless legless were exiled, but those who begged had no housing. There were hundreds of thousands of them who lost their families, homes, useless, no money but hang with the war award. They were collected in one night from all over the cities by special police and state security detachments, taken to railway stations, loaded into cattle cars, and sent to these very boating houses. Their passports and soldiers' documents were taken away. In fact, they were transferred to the status of the prisoners, and the boarding schools themselves were under the Ministry of Internal Affairs. I would like to cite the book uh, by Nikonorov, The Unpromising People from the Island of Alam. So, after the war, Soviet cities were flooded with people who were lucky enough to survive at the front, but who lost their arms and legs in the battles for the motherland. Self-made guards on which human stamps, crutches and processes of war heroes were jerking between the legs of passers-by, spoiling the goodness of the bright socialism of today. And then, one day, Soviet citizens woke up and didn't hear the usual rumble of guards and the creak of processes. People with disabilities were removed from the cities overnight. One of the places of uh, the exile was the island of Valam. As a matter of fact, these events are known and well recorded, which means that uh, what happened has already passed. To conclude, I'd like to say that in the Soviet Russia and in the Soviet Union in general, there were no homeless people, disabled people, etc. Not because they didn't exist, but first of all, because the authorities didn't keep such statistics. They threw the people by force into special detention centers, uh, put them in prisons, mental hospitals, sent them out of big cities, everyone who spoils the image of the country. The homeless in Soviet Russia were one of the most socially vulnerable strata of the population. So now Max, is going to, Max will tell you about the post-Soviet period of Russia. Thank you so much. Hello, I'm Max.
next day one. Homelessness is a complicated issue. The most common reason for homelessness in Russia are family conflicts at 36%, living to another city in search of work and being unable to find housing there at 22%, and real estate fraud at 17%. A unique feature of both the Soviet Union and the Russian Federation is the right to housing. In the Soviet Constitution, under Section 2, the state and the individual, Article 44 reads that citizens of the USSR have the right to house. Following the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the Russian Federation incorporated this article into Article Number Article 44. Following the dissolution of the Soviet Union, Russia abolished Articles 198 and 209 of the Criminal Code, which criminalized not having a permanent residence. Following the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the Russian economy was in shambles, experiencing hyperinflation, while thousands lost their jobs and turned to alcohol or drugs to cope. Another contributing factor was the lack of oversight during the privatization of the Russian housing market resulting in a legal vacuum and a high rate of real estate fraud. During privatization, many families sold, sold their last home before purchasing a new home, which contributed to a rise in the homeless population following the dissolution. Another unique aspect of the post-Soviet homelessness is the amount of homeless children who were orphaned or ran away from an abusive home life, fueled by drugs or alcohol addiction. Eventually, many of the homeless children were arrested for petty crime and served minor prison sentences. For many low-skilled Russian laborers, the lack of employment opportunities drove them to leave their home cities in hopes of finding work in another. But once in the new city, many Russians had trouble finding employment without the proper documentation and eventually began coping with drugs or alcohol. Following the rise in the homeless population, Alexander Muhina launched HELP, a 24-bedroom shelter in Moscow in 1992. Since Muhina opened her doors, she has worked to provide food, shelter, and helped individuals find work and regain their documentations. Since Muhina opened her charity, numerous other NGOs have followed in her footsteps. The government operates the Buses in St. Petersburg and Moscow, which give out warm food food, and have approximately 20 seats for homeless, over 50 for a place, a warm place to stay over the night. The government also operates shelters, but again, they're only for people who are over 50. Kenyans, a 31-year-old homeless man, said, no matter where I went for help in Moscow, I was constantly turned down because I didn't have the right documentations or was put on a waiting list that never seemed to get any shorter. The wait is so long that most people drink themselves to death or freeze before they get an appointment. This is a common story amongst homeless, despite the constitutional guarantees. Similar to Western countries, homeless people are harassed by police and disproportionately affected by substance abuse issues. Russia is currently the fifth highest alcohol consumer in the world. One startling statistic was that Russians consume double the eight liters of spirits, which according to the World Health Organization is double the deadly limit. The amount of alcohol consumption in Russia has been associated with the high domestic abuse rate, child abuse, 
as well as health, economic, and social consequences related to alcoholism. According to the U.S. National Library for Medicine, there are approximately 4 million child addicts, with the average age for a user falling from 17 to 11, despite the increase in anti-alcohol campaigns ran by the government. In addition to the PSAs, the government has increased minimum pricing laws, advertising bans, and sales restrictions to limit alcohol consumption. And recently, the Russian Health Minister, Mikhail, Mikhail Marashevenko is currently drafting a law to raise the Russian drinking age from 18 to 21. Outside of Moscow, Yuri Potapienko, a NGO director, enforces a zero intoxication policy at his shelter. Anyone found intoxicated is not allowed to stay the night. Potapienko carries a breathalyzer when he does his nightly rounds to randomly check individuals he presumes may be intoxicated. Although his methods may raise ethical questions, his methods have been successful in helping homeless addicts re-enter the workforce. According to official statistics, Russia has 448,100 regular drug users, although experts estimate the number to be much closer to 5 to 6 million, with a recovery rate of between 5 and 7 percent of patients being able to reach one year drug-free. This is a nearly 40 percent rise in the drug consumption since the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Drug use is especially prevalent among the homeless youth in rural areas. During the Soviet-Afghan War in 1979, the Mujahideen began trafficking heroin to Russia through Central Asia to fund the war effort against the Soviets. And the heroin trade continues to be a key revenue stream for Afghani guerrilla militant groups ever since. In 2002, Russia became the largest consumer of heroin in the world. Today, according to the UN, Russia consumes approximately 21% of the world's 375 tons of heroin, with most of the heroin entering Russia through the Kazakh border. According to local NGOs, heroin addicts account for approximately half of the 6 million addicts in Russia, with an estimated 30,000 30, heroin deaths each year. Heroin addiction is most prevalent amongst the homeless youth in rural towns like Novokinets or Tibet with most users start starting between 14 and 20 and being dead by 20 to 25 years of age. Without better access to drug, drug and alcoholism addiction treatments, this will continue to be a problem facing ho the homeless population. The lifestyle of the homeless puts them at a heightened risk for many different illnesses, like skin abrasions, malnutrition, parasitic and respiratory infections, joint disease, etc. One homeless man from St. Petersburg recounts the story of when the Soviet Union collapsed, how he had lost his identity. He continued to find illegal farming and construction work until he got tuberculosis and lost a lot. Many homeless people in Russia are unable to access the government health care guaranteed to them in the Constitution, often being turned away by doctors and health care services because they lack the proper documentation or the health care services are, are unfamiliar with the homeless pension and prisoner assistance programs in St. Petersburg. These, these oversights leave the only government-run ho homeless health service 
at Botkin Hospital of St. Petersburg underfunded, backlogged, and understaffed. NGOs and Doctors Without Borders have worked to provide access to pro- provide access to primary health care services. Despite the government and NGOs' best efforts, the majority of the homeless population still suffers from addiction, HIV, cold-related injuries, mental illness, and the progression of minor illnesses into chronic conditions. The last and most important issue facing the homeless population in Russia is the elements. During the Russian winter, the average temperature regularly falls below minus 20 degrees Celsius. Long periods of prolonged exposure to the elements decreases the immune system's ability to fight off minor infections and diseases, which is worsened by the inability to seek medical treatment and further exacerbated by the elements. At this temperature, prolonged exposure of bare skin will result in frostbite, and after frostbite has set in, without slowly rewarming the area, the exposed area begins to discolor and die. Many homeless Russians have lost fingers and toes to frostbite, while other more severe cases have lost partial or entire limbs or their life. Unfortunately, these are the lucky ones, as in 2003, Russia recorded 1,200 homeless deaths related to exposure. According to the government, in 2017, there were only 11, although both of these numbers seem suspiciously low, as an article written by ABC News in 2012 says that there was an estimated 220 Russians who died during the last three weeks due to cold exposure. In conclusion, homelessness is a byproduct of the inability to gain stable employment because of the bureaucratic legacy of the Soviet Union and larger socio-economic conditions in Russia. Russians are unable to find local employment opportunities, so they travel to larger cities, but are unable to find jobs or lack the proper documentation to secure the employment opportunity and get caught in this gray area where they cannot return home but cannot carry on to a new city in hopes of better prospects. Many of these hopeful prospects plan to spend a few cold nights on the streets before securing housing and employment. Unfortunately, this is rarely the case. With many of these hopeful workers spending years working illegal jobs and living on the streets exposed to the elements. This cycle of unstable employment eventually causes the homeless to develop unhealthy coping mechanisms, which eventually turn into addiction, which puts them at a heightened risk of drug and alcohol-related diseases, minor illnesses exasperated by exposure, or death from exposure. Thank you for listening.